This is Unexpected with Hannah Love. In this podcast, you will gain a new perspective of how God loves you enough to call you to things that you couldn't have imagined for yourself. Have you ever been in a season of life where things seem to be going really well? So well that maybe ever so subtly you start to drift. You left the world of contentment and drifted dangerously into a state of complacency. Maybe you're leaning less on God because life seems to be pretty good. There are no outstanding needs, no major stressors, no pressing concerns. In theory, that sounds great. But the reality is, if we aren't careful, this can cause us to lose intimacy with God. I hate to say it, but people have a tendency to stop communicating with God when they feel secure in their circumstances. This has to grieve his heart. After all, a relationship shouldn't be centered on circumstances, but rather centered on the heart, centered on a love for one another. But since the fall of Adam, human nature tends to be self-serving. The moment you take your eyes off of God and you start living for self or just living in complacency, that's where the enemy slips his foot in the door of your heart. This is what happened to David. This was the moment he fell into complacency and eventually he fell from grace. I'll begin reading in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. Buckle up because it's a lot. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstruation. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. Then David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. Then he told Uriah, go on home and relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he had left the palace. But Uriah didn't go home. He slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him and asked, what's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long? Uriah replied, The ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents, and Joab and my master's men are camping in the open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. Well, stay here today, David told him, and tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. But even then he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. Again, he slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. 
So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab, Station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest. Then pull back so that he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. Then Joab sent battle report to David. He told his messenger, report all the news at the battle to the king. But he might get angry and ask, why did the troops get so close to the city? Didn't they know they would be shooting from the walls? Wasn't Abimelech, son of Gideon, killed at Thebes by the woman who threw a millstone down on him from the wall? Why would you get so close to the wall? Then tell him, Uriah the Hittite was killed too. So the messenger went to Jerusalem and gave a complete report to David. The enemy came out against us in the open fields, he said. And as we chased them back to the city gate, the archers on the wall shot arrows at us. Some of the king's men were killed, including Uriah the Hittite. Well, tell Joab not to be discouraged, David said. The sword devours this one today and that one tomorrow. Fight harder next time and conquer the city. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. When the period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace, and she became one of his wives. Then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb, and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole for having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives in the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, Yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for this sin. Nevertheless, because of what you have done and shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child will die. After Nathan returned to his home, the Lord sent a deadly illness to the child of David and Uriah's wife. David begged God to spare the child. He went without food and lay all night on the bare ground. The elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with him, but he refused. Then, on the seventh day, the child died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him. He wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill, they said. 
What drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied. He's dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshipped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. His advisors were amazed. We don't understand, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and you are eating again. David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive, for I said, Perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and slept with her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and David named him Solomon. The Lord loved the child and sent word through Nathan the prophet that they should name him Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord, as the Lord had commanded. Well, I bet y'all didn't sign up to listen to a drama today, huh? Goodness. For a man after God's own heart, this is quite the departure from the man most known for making honorable choices. Remember, David wouldn't even kill his own enemy, Saul, when given the chance. But David has had a few comfortable years of victories over his enemies. His palace is grand, his wealth is abundant, and his life feels pretty secure. Notice at the opening scene that David became so lax, he didn't even go out and fight with his men. It says, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. He sent someone else to do his fighting. Not only did David relegate his duties, but he became very comfortable. So comfortable, in fact, that he had time for mid-afternoon naps and inappropriate observations. Had he been out to war like he was supposed to be, he never would have noticed the beautiful Bathsheba. See, complacency is a slippery slope. The following series of events led David to have innocent blood on his hands. His decisions were self-serving rather than God-led. Had his heart been on the Lord, the story wouldn't have led to such a fall. There are a few things that I want to point out in today's story. It was a lot to read, so I'll only grab a few for consideration. One, David's heart posture changed. He became complacent losing intimacy with God, which ultimately resulted in a path of sin and pain. Two, David had someone in his life, Nathan, who loved him enough and feared God enough to point out his own unjust behavior. This is a great reminder to all of us to keep friends around us who love us, who fear the Lord, and who are willing to hold us accountable for our own poor choices. 3. David confesses that he sinned against God and God's Word. This is not to be overlooked. Redemption cannot come without confession and repentance. And 4. God forgives David. But there is still a price to be paid for sin, always. Sin can only lead to death. The difference here is that God will turn our mistakes into something good, but He only does this after repentance a heart turned back to Him. Remember Romans 8, 28, 
We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes for them. Guys, I would love to take another 20 minutes and break down this story in greater detail. But today, I pray you'll hear and take these few reminders. David was a good man. He was a man after God's own heart. He was obedient to God and gave Him the glory. But even good men fall. Even good people make bad decisions. Not a single one of us is exempt. But here's the good news. David repented for what he had done. He took ownership and asked God for forgiveness. He still paid a high price. God said his household would rebel against him. And indeed, in the chapters ahead, it does. But David's heart came back to God. He received forgiveness. At the end of the day, there's nothing we can do that God won't forgive, apart from blasphemy. David literally committed adultery and murder, and still God forgave him. That's not to say that there wasn't a price to pay, because that is a principle of sin. However, when handed back to God, there will also be redemption. And that, my friends, is where we will pick up next week on our last episode in this series. As you go out this week, I pray that you will remember this. God offers grace, no matter what offense, no matter what your fall from grace looked like or looks like now. You have only to repent. Invite Him back into it. Let Him turn it for the good. He wants that for you, for all of us. I love y'all, and I will catch you back next week. Thank you so much for listening today. If this episode has encouraged you, please feel free to share the show with your family and friends. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world today, and my hope is that this show is a candle in the dark.